You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's opening day in the MLB and welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 here in Acadiana. You can check us out on our simulcast by going to Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Just remember, there's always room for another. The Houston Astros begin their chase for a second straight World Series tonight inside the juice box. They will host the Chicago White Sox pregame set for 6, 5.30 actually. And you can hear it on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Also, probably one of the best pitching matchups you'll see all season. In college baseball, going down in Baton Rouge tonight as Paul Skeens will battle Chase Dolender in a top 10 matchup between LSU and Tennessee. Pre-game for that one is set for 6.30. First pitch set for 7, and you can hear it here on the game. Get into both of those games and much more throughout today's show. Let's bring in my producer and co-host, the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, it's opening day, buddy. How are you? It is. I'm doing good. How about you? I am. It's weird. You're ready to go. I can tell. I have never. I don't think I've ever been this excited about opening day. I've never really been much of a professional baseball guy. Yeah, you you hate professional sports. Oh, no, no, (laughs) no, no, no. I just prefer college. And, and we talked about it earlier. Maybe it's the fact that the Astros won the World Series last year. And you can't take away anything from this one. And they haven't gotten crap for it. That makes this opening day so much sweeter. Like, it's not opposing fans from opposing teams trying to put you down because the team you root for was caught for something that other teams were doing as well. And I, I think that this is the first time in a couple of years where I can look at the Astros roster the year after winning the World Series and say with complete certainty that I think they're going to go back. Mm-hmm. And this is even with one of your star players being out for a big chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. Altuve is going to miss the first two months of the year, two and a half months maybe. He They're, they're talking about potentially the All-Star break before he returns. That's not until July. Um, so that would be rough. But... I think the Astros will be just fine. They have way too much talent. Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu now. You've got Chaz McCormick. You've got Jake Myers. You've got Jainier Diaz, Martin Maldonado. They're fine. They're going to be just fine. Uh, here in in 2023 once again they're going to play the Chicago White Sox tonight Framber Valdez is going to be on the mound for the Astros while Dylan Cease will go for the Chicago White Sox your lineup for the Astros Pena will bat first 
Bregman will bat second. Jordan will bat third and play in left field. Jose Abreu will bat cleanup against his former team and play first base. Kyle Tucker in right field will bat fifth. Janier Diaz will be the designated hitter and bat sixth. Jake Myers in center field will bat seventh. Maldonado behind the plate, he'll bat eighth. And Mauricio Dubon will play at second base in place of Jose Altuve and will bat in the nine hole. But again, you know, and obviously we're going to recap some of the games that have already taken place today, including Aaron Judge picking up right where he left off last year. Um, James, looking at, at the Astros, we talked about their their offense. One thing we haven't talked about yet is their pitching rotation. Is it crazy to say that without Justin Verlander, who had a career year last year and won his third Cy Young, would it be crazy to say that this pitching rotation might be better than it was last year? I don't think you could really knock that statement. I don't know if you can fully agree with that. We'd have to see how it ends up going. But it the Houston Astros pitching rotation, still phenomenal. Still one of the better ones for sure. Because Framber's going to step up and be your ace now. Mm-hmm. He finished third in Cy Young voting last year. If he has a similar season that he had this year, this year than he did last year, he's obviously going to contend for the Cy Young yet again. Christian Javier, mm-hmm. a guy that was the number three, sometimes the number four in the rotation, and still managed to get 195 strikeouts last year. Um, so that's that's deadly. Jose Arquiti, Luis Garcia, and then you've got you're finally going to see Hunter Brown for an extended period of time. Um, You're finally going to see what he does. And then, poor guy that can't stay healthy. (laughs) Lance McCullers. Once Lance McCullers comes back. I mean, the Astros are going to run into a problem at multiple positions where they're going to have too much talent to work with. That's why you see guys like Corey Lee, who everybody thought was going to be heir apparent for Martin Maldonado, and I still think he will be. But that's why you're seeing him start in AAA. Because the Astros just... Corey Lee is at a point in his development in his career where he needs to be playing every day. And the Astros just can't guarantee him that right now. So that's why you see him starting over in AAA so that he can be the everyday starter and consistently get reps at the plate. Once Jose Altuve comes back, guys like <coughs> excuse me. Guys like Mauricio Dubon, David Hensley, those guys are going to run into issues. Dubon not so much because you can put him in the outfield, he's a little bit more versatile. David Hensley you know, if he doesn't show out early on in the first couple of months, he might find himself back in Sugarland. So it's just, and I know it's a good problem to have, but the Astros are going to run into a, a, a problem when it when it comes to too much talent and just not enough spots to put everybody. But you know, looking at a couple of games that have already gone final, the Atlanta Braves started the season off hot with a 7-2 to win over the Washington Nationals. But the story is Max Freed left the game early with a leg injury. You win 7-2, to you get three runs in the second, three in the ninth to put it away. Travis Darno 
four for five at the plate with two RBIs, a double and two runs scored. Ozzy Albies had a good game as well. And then for the Yankees, a 5 nothing win in Game 1. Surprise, surprise. Because it, it's shaping up exactly like I said it would, James. I know you've only played one game and you still have 161 to go. But what have what's the joke that I've made about the Yankees this whole time? First 70, 80 games. Oh, who who's going to stop the Yankees? Aaron Judge is on pace for 100 home runs, blah blah blah. And then they're going to fizzle out. It's going to happen. You win 5 nothing. You you beat up on a on a pretty sluggish San Francisco Giants team. Garrett Cole has a great game, pitches six innings, strikes out 11. Aaron Judge hits a home run on on, on the first at bat that he has to to straightaway center. Glaber Torres gets a two-run home run in the game as well. I mean, look, good good for the Yankees. They they started the season off 1 and 0, but it's one of those games where you can't really look into it too much. But one game that you can look into, how about the Boston Red Sox? They are trailing the Baltimore Orioles 10-7 to right now in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Baltimore has scored four runs in the fourth and three runs in the fifth. Seven runs in the middle innings for the Orioles. They've had 15 base hits in this contest. Adley Rutschman with four RBIs. He is a perfect 5-for-5 at the plate today. Adley Rutschman is going to be fun to watch in in the MLB. There's no question about that. On today's show at 4.30, Jay Walker is going to join us for Cajun's Corner. They've got a three-game series with App State this weekend. We'll talk about that matchup. We'll also get his thoughts on the MLB season. At 5 o'clock, Ryan Shumpert, a Rocky Top Insider, he's going to join us to preview LSU versus Tennessee from the box. And then at 5.30, Alex Johnson, he hosts the Black and Gold podcast over in North Carolina. He's going to join us for a conversation about the App State Mountaineers as they get set to play against the Cajuns this weekend at Russo Park. Speaking of Russo Park, just wanted to throw this out there now. Tomorrow's show. I will be live at Russo Park uh, leading up into the Cajuns game. I will be there from 4 to 5.30. Going to be a great show. Ben Upton's going to join me to talk about the Cajuns and the season that they have had thus far. Jake Crane's going to join me. We'll talk about the MLB opening day and college baseball as well and a whole lot more. So once again, from 4 to 5.30 tomorrow from Russo Park leading into the Cajuns and Mountaineers. Your poll question of the day. Looking at the MLB, the new pitch clock rules. Will it be good or will it be bad for Major League Baseball? Good, bad, too early to tell, or I really enjoy four-hour baseball games. James, your thoughts? Well, I don't enjoy four-hour baseball games unless there's extra innings. But if we're looking at it as a, just a standard nine-inning baseball game, I the way I see it is 20 might be a little too quick. If they would adjust it to 25, 30 seconds. I was about to say 20 is not a lot of time. It's not. Like, that's quick. 
I, I think it would be better of a sweet spot because this is new. This is this is still a new rule. I think over time they might move it to 25, 30 seconds, give it a little bit more time if there's like a lot of pushback. But if there isn't a lot of pushback, they're probably just going to stick with the 20 seconds. Looking at your results, 36% say good, 28% say bad, 28% say it's too early to tell, and 8% say that they enjoy four-hour baseball games looking at some of the comments mike says enjoyed the predictions now let's review how wrong you guys were in late september robert says it's going to be good for the game i don't like sitting at the park for three to four hours i can only eat so much food mr green says it will cert- it certainly won't revitalize anything mlb still has blackouts across the board yeah tell me about it i mean the fact that you have to have a certain cable network to even watch the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. A little wild to me, but you know, Hey, it, not, it, not my favorite money. Money drives the world. I understand, but I, I just feel like if you're within a six hour radius of a baseball team, you should be able to watch them no matter what you use for, for TV, whether it's streaming service or, you know, Cox or DirecTV or LUS or whoever, you should be able to catch your local team. Just my, same same thing goes with the Pelicans. But again, I get it. Money money makes the world go around, and that's just the way that that, that pro sports work nowadays. But we're gonna take a timeout here, and we return. We'll talk a little bit of college football. Pro Day is going on right now. Andre Jones held his yesterday for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We'll hear from him. Plus, we'll talk Pelicans and Nuggets tonight on the West Coast right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil with the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now for the Ultimate Crawfish Boil Giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 420 here on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. My Miguez, James Mesh. Hit us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Before we get to the Andre Jones conversation, a, a quick factoid, I guess, uh, about the Yankees that I just find so interesting. So, if you know anything about baseball, obviously you know that the manager used to also be a player. You had a player coach. Uh, And that's the reason why managers today wear baseball uniforms. But nowadays, you see a lot of guys wear hoodies or quarter zips over the jersey, and some guys won't even wear the jersey at all. 
they'll just wear the pants. And so the Yankees have made a request to the MLB that their coaches' jerseys can become numberless. And the reason being is the Yankees are running out of jersey numbers. James, the New York Yankees currently have 22 retired numbers. Including every single digit number. Yeah, we were actually talking about this last night uh, for our fantasy baseball draft. One of one of the guys in our league is a Yankees fan, and he was talking about how they have none. N- all the single digits are gone. And then number eight has been retired twice mm-hmm. for two separate players. So the Yankees are are running out of uh, out of numbers for them currently. Uh, like I said, twenty two retired numbers. You also are looking at two numbers that the organization has tucked away. They're not retired yet, but they plan to retire them. Number 19 for Mm -hmm. Mashiro Tanaka, and then number 52 for CC Sabathia. So the the Yankees are, are really running thin on jersey numbers, which is why they're requesting that the MLB let the coaches just have a blank jersey so that that frees up a jersey number for a player. What a special request. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the Yankees are a special franchise. They are. You know, ooh, 27 World Championships. Yay! Come on, man. And then there's another number that uh, they're trying to take out of rotation. I think you know which one it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, moving on. So at, at that point, you're what going to have 27 numbers that you can't work with anymore? That would be 25. Either you, either yeah. you can't or you're like, let's not use this number. Yeah, let's let's not and say we didn't. Right. Um, but no, going, going back to the original point of conversation, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Andre Jones hosted a private workout yesterday for NFL teams and, and looked good in the process. And uh, following his workout, he was able to speak with the media about you know his his season and his workout and what he's looking for as he moves on to the next level. Uh, but before we do that, let's go to the game hotline. Larry, what's going on? Well, uh, I was listening to you guys, and as a diehard Yankee fan, I had no idea they planned on retiring Tanaka and Sebastian's uh, numbers. And neither one of those deserved to be retired. They were good players, but there's nothing great about either one of those two. I, you know, That's why they're running out of numbers. You can't just retire everybody's number. Because those guys were good players, but I mean, they didn't really leave a, you know, a mark on uh, Yankee baseball like some of the other guys had. Yeah, I mean, that's why you're running out of numbers. You can't just retire everybody who had a decent uh, career. You know what I'm saying? Well, that that that's always been the thing with the Yankees. They they retire numbers left and right, which is why they have 22 of them. Which, in case anybody was curious, that is eight more than the next closest team. But, but I mean, would y'all think 
this is about his career in New York and Tanaka's career deserves to have that numbers at times. If I had to pick one of them, I would say Sabathia. But I mean, yeah. no, I, I I somewhat agree with you. I, I I don't think neither either one of them needs to be retired. Sabathia had a better career in Cleveland. They're the ones that need to retire. Yeah. All right, you guys have a good day. Appreciate you, Larry. So you know, again, that no, the Yankees. We we love the Yankees. Andre Jones met with the media yesterday, and he talked about, he recapped his workout. Today, um, I think it was just a blessing to like wake up this morning and put two feet on the ground, you know, and be grateful for what you can do and what you can't do. And uh, it, went, it went really great. You know, it went better than I expected. I, uh, I didn't have no doubt with myself or anything. My thing is, I was one guy protecting me through the whole thing, coming off hamstring from the combine. So, you know, it was my first time really getting to do all that stuff. I really just been rehabbing. So, you know, it was just like, I got to do something. Show them something. Like, you know, you know, uh, so it went really great. Everybody was really impressed. And um, they had like, what, 12 people come? Yeah. Like 12 guys come, front office people, GM. Andre Jones also talked about his time spent training with other athletes. It was great. Like, you know, seeing like, People that been in the league for a couple of years, like I seen uh, JJ Watt, Odell Beckham be there every other day, uh, Christian Kirk, um, a lot of people, uh, major league baseball players. And you know, like when we weren't training, we'll be outside on the basketball court, like with other other sports, and them guys be out there, we'll be playing, and everybody be shooting ball, playing horse and stuff like that, and just bunning, and everybody telling us about their stories when they was coming in opposition and stuff like that. So getting them little nuggets from everybody else, like you know, because you don't never know what's going to happen. So you need advice. You can always use that advice, you know. So, James, looking at Andre Jones, you you saw him play three different positions at Louisiana. He played linebacker, he played defensive end, and then he played a little bit of, in, of interior defensive tackle. Do you see him getting drafted at all? And if so... Where do you what what round do you see him going in? I mean, he, he has solid size, six five. He's around the two sixty range. Like you can work with that. It makes it interesting because you've seen him play three different positions in his time with the Raging Cajuns. I think if you're if he's going to get drafted, it would be in the sixth or seventh round. You'd look at him to be a late day three pick. You're definitely not expecting him to be a first round pick. And you're definitely not going to see him day two. It would be an absolute miracle in my eyes if he goes into the fifth. Now, for for another Cajun, what about Michael Jefferson? Uh, I've heard some I've heard some comps that have him, you know, third to fifth. Mm-hmm. Do you do you agree with that? Could you see him going late day two, early day three? He's he's shown some nice deep ball ability where like he he makes some crazy catches going deep. I like that, but. It's weird because with the NFL draft, as soon as you get, even once you get into the second round, the value on guys, it varies by the team. Like a lot of people thought Jalen Hurts would be an early day three guy, and he went early to mid in the second round. So you could very easily see Michael Jefferson go from late day two all the way to he could be a sixth or seventh as well, or could also go undrafted. Like it's it's so weird how the NFL draft is because people are just 
the teams are making picks so quick that the value on guys you you don't know. You think he's graded as a fourth round guy? He ends he could very easily go in the seventh round and be kind of like a Brock Purdy and be the last pick in the draft. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what the fate is for both of those guys. I mean, I think either one of them could have a good career in the NFL. Um, but it's just going to depend on what team needs what where. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like Andre is more of like a rotational piece. Even if even if they go, you know, undrafted free agent, could still make a good career out of that. But before we take a timeout, look at the Pelicans real quick. They got a 9 p.m. contest with the Denver Nuggets tonight. The Pelicans sit even at 500 at 38 and 38. One thing that's interesting to note, Nikola Jokic is currently listed as doubtful for the game tonight. So could that open the door for the Pelicans to maybe not blow a 20-point lead? Hmm. One could only hope. We'll see. Once again, tip-off in that one is set for 9 o'clock tonight. Denver coming into that game with a record of 51-24. and 24. We'll take a timeout here. Cajuns Corner is next with the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm going to take the Astros to win the AL West, Christian Javier to have over 199.5 total strikeouts on the year, and then Aaron Judge to end the season as the home run leader. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, happy opening day to you, sir. How are you? Um, we're born again, and there's new grass on the field. What are your What are your expectations for your lovely Los Angeles Dodgers? Well, you know they they of course had a few guys walk, um, and then Kevin Lux tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Uh, you know, I, I, if they were to get a wild card this year, I think that would uh, I think that would be uh, something that would be an accomplishment. Now, you know, looking at the Raging Cajuns, they're coming into a three game set with App State this weekend at home. Uh, tomorrow at six, Saturday at four and then Sunday at 1. You know, looking at their 18-7 and seven record so far this year, most the most recent series against South Alabama, you know, you, you lost the Friday night game in really just such a heartbreaking fashion 
to to have a five run lead get blown late, and then you respond in a huge way on Saturday in the doubleheader, outscoring the Jags thirty two to eleven. You know what what stood out to you about that weekend series in Mobile? I have uh, I've gone to Eddie Stanky Field many times over the years to to broadcast Cajun baseball. I've never seen a series where the ball jumped out of the ballpark like that. Um, you know, I, it's a hitter's ballpark. It always has been. But I, I want to say that the two teams combined for like 13 or 14 home runs. I've never seen that before. That was pretty crazy. And, you know, we, we keep talking about one guy for the Cajuns over and over again, and I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but damn, Julian Brockin just hit the baseball. He's uh, he's on a tear, and yesterday uh, D one baseball ranked the uh, the top fifty catchers. Now they did that in the preseason, and I think Julian was like number sixteen. Uh, when I looked at it last night, he was number six. And so there are a lot of people that are taking notice uh, of the year that uh, that G was having, and I'm you know you couldn't be happier for for a guy. Uh, and obviously, he's making a huge contribution to this. To this team, but he's been uh, he's been pretty unconscious lately, and he's and he's hit a couple of tape measure shots. Now, you know, looking at the the week off for for Matt Deggs and company, I know Matt Deggs isn't a huge fan of that because he's he said time and time again that he's a guy that would like to play seven days a week if he could. But for guys that that have running into some nagging injuries, you know, CJ Willis. With, with the back issues that he's had the last couple of weeks and a handful of others, Dylan Toyd as well. How critical was this week off to, to rest and recover for the Cajuns? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I, you know, the, you know, CJ was back to play it again this past weekend. Zambo was back in as well. I'm sure, especially in the case of Zambo, because it's a risk that the rest, that the rest probably did him some good, but man, when it, when it, when a team is swinging the bat, the way the Cajuns are swinging the bat, I'm not sure they wanted days off. And I'm not just talking about Matt Deggs. I think I, I think I'm speaking for the for the other guys as well. When you're going well, you don't want to be idle. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajuns Corner. Real quick basketball question before we we move back to baseball. Uh, Jordan Brown earlier today was named the Lou Henson Mid-Major National Player of the Year recipient. Uh, first time ever that a that a Cajun has won the award, and also the first time that a player from the Sun Belt Conference has won that award. Um, just talk about the honor that that is for Jordan and what that can do to to maybe elevate a potential draft stock for him. Well, it certainly can't hurt. Um, it was. Uh, it's one heck of an honor. I mean, it really is. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, according to the coaches, he wasn't the player of the year in the conference. The college insider thinks he's the player of the year in America. Um, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty rich, man. That's pretty strong. Um, couldn't be happier for Jordan because Jordan, you know, he brought his lunch pail to work every day and, uh, just a just a great guy, you know. Has his degree, uh, comes from a great raging Cajun pedigree. So I'm I'm just I'm just over the moon over that award. Let's let's flip ahead to to this weekend, Jay, with the Mountaineers coming to town. Pretty good baseball team coming in here. They score a lot of runs. 
And, you know, if you look back to last year, you won the first two games and then the Mountaineers came back to bite you in, in game number three. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on this series this weekend? There were a lot of runs scored in this series last year. Um, Cajuns won by a big margin, I want to say 14-3 to on Friday. Uh, and then they came back and, and won the second game, but there were a lot of runs scored, and then they lost 12-7 to in the final game. Uh, and this is a better hitting App State team this year than they had a year ago. Uh, most of their good hitters are back. Um, Austin St. Laurent was a guy that really impressed Coach Deggs and I last year. He was just a freshman. Um, and, and he's back for him. Uh, Drumheller, their second baseman, and is about his ninth year of eligibility, it seems. Uh, and they've got uh, a new guy who transferred in from uh, Tennessee Tech who's hit nine bombs for him this year. So this is a team that's good that, that has scored runs on everybody they've played against. You know, they, they lost a 16-15 to 15 game to Campbell earlier in the year. They lost a uh, – or they won a 15-14 to 14 game in conference play uh, last Sunday against Georgia State. They came back from 8 nothing down. This is a team that can swing the bat. The Cajuns are going to have to swing it, too. Once again, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock first pitch in that one. Jake Hammond going to go for Louisiana. He's been a great Friday night starter for the Cajuns. Up and down at points, but but for the most part, I mean, he, he's been what the doctors ordered. He was, he of all the pitchers last year, he had the toughest time. Um, he went two and two-thirds and gave up five. Uh, out of the bullpen on Sunday. Um, now he's a better pitcher than that, uh, and I'm sure that. But I'm sure that he remembers last year, and he's looking forward to a little redemption. And then the last pitcher that I'm going to ask you about is is Jackson Nazu. You know, you came into this season wondering where he would fit in, knowing that he had potential and that he had stuff, but just kind of unsure of what he was going to be able to bring. And as the season progresses, Jay, he just looks better and better. Yeah, he's getting better every week. Um, he's he's learning to stay on top of his fastball, which because uh, if you're on top of it, it means it's going lower, and he gets good movement down there. If he gets the pitch up, it has a tendency to flatten out. It's very hittable. Um, but, uh, no, he's doing uh, – a much better job than he was earlier in the season. And it seems like he gets better every time out. You're right. And uh, they'll need him to take another step forward on uh, Saturday. Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, joining us here on Crunch Time for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. And uh, we'll do it again next week. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me go Cajuns. And there he goes, the voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker looking at some top stories in sports before we take our third time out of our number one. Justin Verlander will head to the IL to begin the season with a muscle strain in his arm. He will pitch at a moderate intensity with a reevaluation scheduled for next week. Um, the injury popped up following a bullpen session yesterday when his velocity started to fall in his final spring training start. Meanwhile, college basketball news. Alabama's star freshman Brandon Miller has declared for the NBA draft. Surprise, surprise. Um, there, there, weren't, there weren't many people that thought he would return to Alabama. Maybe there was some hope that he would return to Alabama, but 
again, no, no surprise there. Some some mock drafts have him going number two overall. Some have them going number three. Either way, the young man's going to make a lot of money. Looking at some scores in the MLB, the Rays took down the Tigers four to nothing today. The Pirates lead the Reds four to two in the bottom of the fourth. The Blue Jays lead the Cardinals five to three in the bottom of the fourth. The Mets lead the Marlins three to nothing in the bottom of the sixth. And after opening the game down four nothing, the Texas Rangers have roared back to take a six to five lead in the bottom of the fourth. They currently have the bases loaded with only two outs over there in. Arlington and the Valero Texas Open started today and what a round from Matt Kuchar. He goes four under on the afternoon to be tied for the lead right now with Patrick Harrington. Matt Wallace right behind him at three under over there at TPC San Antonio. And as a reminder, because I haven't said it enough in our number one, the Yankees won today, James. I, I keep getting messages from a certain Yankee fan to to make sure that it is noted that the Yankees won today. Did they? Yeah, they I did. I had no idea. Five to nothing. Really? Yeah, they did. They beat the Giants. Was um, it, didn't didn't Aaron Judge Aaron Judge you know, hit a home run on like the second pitch of the season I've, for I've, him? I've mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. Um, Glaber Torres had a two run home run. Yeah, yeah, that really helped me in the fantasy league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure did. And you know what you know what else helped you? The fact that the pitcher that threw him the home run is on my team. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's fine. It's only week one. <laughs> this is it's opening day. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's hundred and sixty one games to go. It's fine. And you're last right now. <sighs> Thank you, James. You're welcome. I was trying to avoid that part. I dropped a third, so Oh darn. Still in the upper half of the league. Darn. Yeah, it happens. We'll take a timeout, wrap up our number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, also the rookie sensation Anthony Volpe had a great game today, too. But the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Saturday, April 15th, and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to help you score tickets to the show. Text GLOBE to 337-283-8100 to score a family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE to 283-8100. So shoot a text and get tickets to be amazed at the Globetrotters' famed ball-handling skills, dunks, and laugh-out-loud antics. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 451 here on your Thursdays. We are broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast by heading to Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. It's very rare that you see a player also sing the national anthem to open up an MLB baseball game. Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright 
sang the national anthem to open up opening day today. And it was an absolutely incredible moment. If you haven't seen that video, go check it out on social media. But let's go to the game hotline now. Ellis, what's going on? Yes, uh, I just wanted to talk about the Yankee game. There was 16 strikeouts by each team. I think it's the record. Totally 32 in the game. There were there were how many strikeouts? 16? 32. 16 for each team. 16 for each team. That's, wow, that's impressive. All righty. Yeah, thank you for the thank, thank, thank you, you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. 32 strikeouts in one game. That is Yeah, that's pretty nuts. If that's not closing in on the record that that has to be close. The record for one player in a 9-inning game is 20. Um, but man, 32 by both teams. That is uh that's pretty impressive. 16 Ks for both sides. But, you know, James, I, I know you brought up the our fantasy draft. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we could we can get into it. It's like we don't we don't have to get into super big detail about it, but I mean all I want to know, th- this is <laughs> this is the question that I have. Okay. How was I able to get Ronald Acuna Jr. at six. And then, if it's a snake draft, I have the second pick of the second round. Mm-hmm. And well, then I turn around and get Kyle Tucker. Yeah, that one was interesting because you had a choice between Jordan and Kyle Tucker at that point. Yeah, I did. And I took I took Kyle Tucker. Because I, I looked, I was like, come on, just let me get one of them, please. I think Kyle in the Tucker, second round. I think Kyle, I think Kyle Tucker is going to have a better year than Jordan. I mean, I can't really argue against that. I I think they both will have pretty good seasons, and I think by the end of it all, it's going to be really close. Um, for me, I don't know. I just kind of this is my first fantasy baseball draft, so I was kind of going in a little blind, especially with how late we both joined in the draft. Yeah, we joined like a day before, so. I just kind of went in and I looked at it. I had the 104. I, I just ended up just taking Shohei Otani, which even though he's a pitcher, I mean, darn, you, you really can't go wrong with taking Shohei not, at, at not, 104. Not the $65 million man. Right. Darn. What a terrible pick. I, I, I swear. I, I, a guy I took him way too early. A guy that's going to throw 150 strikeouts and hit 40 homers. Darn, darn, darn. Anyways, James, tell us more about your first world problems. I ended up taking Tim Tebow with the last pick. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> and I thought I was funny taking a flyer on Johnny or Diaz. I mean, I think he's going to have a big year, but I certainly could have just picked him up in free agency instead of instead of drafting him. And then James comes in and I said, "Hey, watch this. You ain't ready." Drafts Tim Tebow. Drafts <laughs> Tim Tebow. This guy. That's like my you know football draft I did this past year. My last pick, I drafted Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we Drew Brees was still there in the dynasty, and we had a couple guys. Um, I don't know. I I, f- I feel like the the pitching for me is looking pretty good. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how it stacks between everyone else, but 
kind of went pitchers early oh, on. My rotation is solid. Corbin Burns, Zach Gallen, Logan Webb, Blake Snell, Hunter Green, and then my relievers, I've got Ryan Presley, Johan Duran, and Jose LeClaire. I mean, that's solid. Yeah, it's, it's that's pretty good. I, I think I think I might have you beat. I got Shohei. Okay. Scherzer. Okay. Aaron Nola. Okay. <laughs> Max Freed, who did get okay. injured today. He's he's still listed as day to day. How? How did you get all these pitchers? I took that was who I took early on. I pretty much ignored like second and third base. So your offense is trash, but your pitching rotation is spot on. Oh, it's nasty. And then I took Luis Garcia. I got uh Jorge Lopez, uh Paul Sewold, uh Scott Barlow, and then Nick Martinez, and then Miles Mikolas. This guy. That's 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 my whole pitching rotation. I still have I still have Will Smith at catcher. I have Freddie Freeman at first and Matt Olson. Got Gleber Torres. I was surprised I was able to get him for second base. Yeah. That's our number one in the books. Our number two. We're gonna kick it off with Ryan Shumpert previewing the Vols and LSU from Alex Box Stadium, which you can hear later tonight on the game. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the World Series champion, Houston Astros, and the LSU Fighting Tigers. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome into our number two of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on the game hotline 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we talked to some raging Cajuns as they get set to host the App State Mountaineers for a three-game set this weekend at Russo Park. Right now, let's stay on the college baseball talk and look at the top-ranked LSU Tigers. Two weekends in a row that they'll have a top 10 matchup at Alex Box Stadium. This time it's Tony Vitello and the Tennessee Volunteers coming to Baton Rouge. Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider joins us here on the game hotline on this Thursday afternoon. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on and uh, certainly an exciting series this weekend down in Baton Rouge as uh, college baseball starts to to get in full gear of conference play going. So, you know, if, if you look at the Vols, they're they're 20 and 6 to start the season, 3 and 3 in the Sun Belt. I mean in the SEC, excuse me. But one thing that's interesting is when the season kind of got underway for the Vols, it was kind of up and down, especially when you got into conference play. You opened conference play with a a three-game sweep to Missouri. And then you've you've ripped off a five game win streak since then. Uh, j- just kind of talk about the the start to the season for Tennessee. Yeah, Tony Vitello would tell anyone who would listen on or off the record before the season that Tennessee was not as good as its preseason number two ranking, and, and that was definitely true. They lose their first two games of the year against solid teams in Arizona and Grand Canyon uh, down in Arizona, a neutral site game against the Wildcats, and then it was 
a true road game in a neutral site event at Grand Canyon. So both of those teams are pretty good. But Tennessee just did not play at a super high level. And you really look at their schedule, the first five good opponents they played, those two the first weekend, they played a midweek game against Boston College. And then that first series in Missouri, they didn't win a game. I guess that's six games, not five games, basic math. They started 0-6, and, and they played very poorly in really all those games. And they took care of the, the lesser opponents that should have been easy victories. They didn't drop uh, any games that really made you turn your head. Uh, but they weren't playing at a great level, and I think that's why last week was so important for them. They swept Texas A&M, and not only did they sweep Texas A&M, but they really did it with offense, which is the bigger question mark on this team. They had to replace all nine position starters. Uh, from last year's team that obviously won a ton of games and lost in the Super Regionals Game 3 to Notre Dame. So we kind of knew that that was going to be a little bit of a growing process, and it has been that way. Uh, but they're they're starting to figure some things out and certainly had their best offensive weekend of the year last week uh, when they got three big wins over the Aggies. And, you know, when you look at the the statistics and kind of, you know, who really stands out, because the Vols lost a ton at the end of last season, Christian Moore's kind of been the statistical leader, hitting 360 so far on the year. And then you have Blake Burke with 10 home runs and 28 RBIs so far. Uh, just kind of talk about these two guys, and then anybody else that that you think stands out that LSU should be uh, be acclimated with. You name two of them. Really, it's three guys that are the top hitters in this Tennessee lineup, and they're all three guys that had roles on last year's team. They weren't necessarily starters every single day. They DH'd a lot. Jared Dickey played in left field before a foot injury made it where he couldn't play defensively really until the NCAA tournament. But those three guys, Christian Moore is kind of the emotional leader of the team, second baseman. He has a little bit more of that fire or that swagger uh, that opposing teams, opposing fans really hate that Tennessee had last year. He's kind of the leader that way on the team. And he's been really good at the plate this year and really just been a complete player. Base running, Mistakes have been kind of a big issue for Tennessee. He's been one of the few guys that's been really good there. Blake Burke is the big power bat. He hit 13 home runs and like 125 at-bats last year. He's uh, already to double digits. I believe he's at 10 or 11 now on the season. He's a power-hitting left-handed first baseman, really good bat there. And then Jared Dickey is just a professional hitter. He's moved around all over the place. He's been in outfield, some at center field, some in left field, some at DH. And in really a recent development, he was a utility man last year who spent some time catching, but not really during games. In fall, he started at catcher and then broke his hand. And then when they came back for preseason practice, they kind of steered him towards outfield because he'd missed all that time uh, or opportunities for reps behind the plate in fall, the back half of fall. Last week, uh, they moved him back to catcher. He caught the final three innings of a midweek win over Western Carolina and then started two of the three games behind the plate uh, against Texas A&M was back there in the midweek game this week. So that's kind of been the recent development for the Tennessee team. Is it Jared Dickey's back at catcher? Again, I don't know if the people remember last year, obviously Tennessee and LSU only played in the SEC tournament, didn't play a full series. The catcher defensively was a big weakness for Tennessee. It sort of is again this year. Dickey's not particularly good there. Charlie Taylor, who's their other catcher, is very good defensively, but a real liability with his bat. So that's kind of been a balancing act they're trying to uh, – find the right tune in uh, at this point in the season, but Jared Dickey's ended up there now. Really good bat, one of the best three bats on the team, but defensively uh, a little bit of a weak link. One name that jumps out at me, and the reason that it does, is because I remember that there was a little bit of drama with him at the beginning of the season, and that's Maui Ahuna. You know, 
there was there was some eligibility issues. Turns out he was cleared to play, hitting 292 so far on the season with 20 RBIs. Talk about his game in the infield and and what stands out about his game. Yeah, well, I think really it's it's his glove that, to be honest, hasn't been as good as I thought it would be. You know, watching him a lot in the fall, he was just so smooth. That was his reputation, and he's made he's had a few errors, made a few plays that you'd expect him to make, but overall, still a very good defensive catcher and he's been or excuse me defensive shortstop and he's been hitting in the leadoff spot but he doesn't really have a typical leadoff uh skill set he's a big swing and miss guy he hits for good power uh, a lot of doubles really as much as home runs that's what stood out with him at kansas last year and it's kind of continued this year so big swing and miss stuff uh good lefty hitter mostly powered contacts kind of been up and down he's been a little inconsistent there obviously 292 pretty solid numbers and then defensively is really what is supposed to make him an elite prospect what is what will likely make him a top round top couple round picks in the MLB draft this summer but hasn't been there quite to the level that I expected at least so far in the season and then you know switching over to pitching which in my opinion has has been Tennessee's bread and butter so far this year I mean whether it's a Friday Saturday or Sunday you've got dogs in that pitching rotation with Chase Dullender, Chase Burns, and then Drew Beam. Talk about each of these guys and what the Tigers can expect out of them. You're absolutely right. That's really been the bread and butter ever since Tony Vitell has been at Tennessee with Frank Anderson, the pitching coach, former head coach at Oklahoma State, longtime pitching coach, really in the Big 12 more than anywhere. And This is an extremely, extremely talented starting rotation. All three were the starters last year. Burns was Friday last year. Dolander was Saturday, so they flipped those two. Uh, but Dolander and Burns, both consensus preseason, all Amer- first team All Americans. And as you know, there's about five or six, you know, preseason rankings and All American lists. So two guys that were very highly touted and thought of, and they haven't been bad at this point in the season. But I don't, I don't, I don't think they've lived up to the expectations either. Dolander was touted as one of the top uh, college pitching draft prospects really since Steven Strasburg is how it was kind of marketed going into the year and he's really gotten off the rough starts in just about every single start he's had the first inning's been a struggle for him uh, so he's been good not great and it's kind of been the same with Chase Burns too where you see a lot of flashes uh, where maybe they'll have a three four inning stretch where uh, they retire eight ten twelve straight batters strike out five or six of them but when things unravel they unravel for them quickly or when mistakes happen, teams have been really good uh, to jump on those mistakes and take advantage. And so neither of them have been at an elite level this year. Dolan, their 3.93 ERA, Chase Burns, 4.15. But the talent is still clearly there. And I think when you talk about some of Tennessee's struggles or shortcomings at this point in the season, that's the positive, is the fact that what's supposed to be the bread and butter, what is the bread and butter of the team is the pitching. And it goes past the starting pitchers to the bullpen, too. But those starters who were really supposed to be the strength haven't been at their best, and there's no reason to think they can't get to that point. So uh, this is a huge opportunity for both of them, and uh, certainly if Tennessee wants to win this series, all three of those guys will have to pitch well. And then Drew Beam doesn't quite have the talent of either Dolander or Burns, but still mid-90s fastball, pounds the strike zone, and, and really he's been the most consistent or been the closest to what we expected of any of those guys, 2-5-4 ERA. Not always getting super, super deep into the games, but consistently for a Sunday game three uh, SEC starter, getting into the middle of the games, not giving up a lot of runs and giving us team a chance. Chatting with Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider. So correct me if I'm wrong here. Chase Burns is going to go tonight, correct? 
No, it'll be Chase Dolander. It'll be Dolander. Okay. So Dolander versus Skeens, could could that be one of the best pitching matchups of the season in college baseball? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's what Paul Skeens has done uh, this year has just been pretty remarkable on the mound. You know, I think I you knew what he had behind the plate, and you knew he was a good arm. And obviously, he was a guy that Tennessee recruited. He visited Tennessee before committing to LSU this offseason. I know I didn't see this coming, what he's been able to do as a Friday night and, in this case, a Thursday night starter for LSU. And these are two of the most talented pitchers and two of the best pitchers in college baseball. There's a reason that this series was so hyped up going into the year, and it's probably lost a little bit of the luster with the start Tennessee's gotten off to. But uh, these pitching matchups are going to be fantastic, and I'm sure there will be a lot of MLB scouts at Alex Box Stadium this weekend because there's just a ton, a ton of talent on both sides couple more for you Ryan talk about Tony Vitello you know as a coach because when you look at him from from an outsider's perspective he he comes off as as this hot-headed guy that likes to to fire up his team and and gets ejected from time to time and things like that what about his coaching style really really stands out about him well I think a lot of what you said is pretty accurate he is a I think the best way to describe it is a competitor and a very fierce competitor that occasionally it goes over the top and he gets himself in some trouble that he could avoid. And it's kind of the, the coaching staff is a, is a complete hold to Frank Anderson, who is, you know, Tony Vitello, a young kind of think hot shot. Frank Anderson is not that he's a kind of older statesman, elder statesman in the program and in college baseball. And he's the same way he's been getting or has gotten ejected from games in his time at Tennessee. But I think with Vitello, a former pitching coach, and I think you see his mindset of of competing with the fact that they they're going to throw strikes, they're going to throw strikes, they're going to throw strikes, they're going to throw strikes. You're not going to pitch if you don't throw strikes, and sometimes it gets them in trouble. A lot of two strike hits, two strike extra base hits uh, have cost this team in the past. But that's kind of his his identity, his nature. He's loose with the guys. He's definitely a player's coach. He's definitely a competitor. He's going to give them some leeway. Uh, to show their emotion, and I know obviously that's something that has frustrated or made other people not like Tennessee, put a target on their back, but for better or worse, that's kind of the way he wants to be. I think he would tell you some of the stuff last year got a little bit uh, blown up or a little bit out of hand, went a little further than he wants, but don't get it twisted. He wants his team to be competitive. He wants his team to be uh, play with some swagger, and he, he certainly doesn't mind them being the villain. Now, looking at the matchup this weekend, if Tennessee fans are, are going to be singing Rocky Top on the way back to their hotel, what's got to happen tonight? Well, I think it goes to the starting pitching. I think you have to have Chase Dolander and Chase Burns pitch at the level they're capable of. And pitch at the level we frankly saw for most of last year. Look, I go back to that SEC, great SEC tournament semifinal game between Tennessee and LSU that started at about 9.45 Central Time down in Hoover, and it was a packed house, about 50% Tennessee, 50% LSU. And Chase Dolander was just brilliant on the mound that night. They need a start like that from him. It's a better than any start he's had so far this season. I think they need something similar from Chase Burns, especially when you look at, obviously, Skeens and then Ty Floyd, the first two guys that will go for LSU this weekend. Two really, really good arms, uh, and I think LSU certainly – I don't even think. I know LSU has the, the far superior lineup to Tennessee, so I think it's going to be about Tennessee's pitchers pitching to their potential and slowing down. I don't know if it'll necessarily be shutting out, but slowing down uh, one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the country. 
Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider joining us here on Crunch Time. Ryan, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the series this weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Yeah, sounds great. Maybe uh, maybe both these teams will find themselves in Omaha, and we'll have to get back together and do, uh, talk a little bit more ball here in a few months. Wouldn't be anything better than that. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, anytime. And there he goes, Ryan Shumpert of RockyTopInsider.com. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and we'll be back with more right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in tonight for a pair of live baseball games on Delta Media's family of stations. The game we just talked about, top-ranked LSU, will begin a three-game series against 10th-ranked Tennessee. Tune in for all the action from Alex Box Stadium on the game. Pre-game begins at 6.30, and first pitch is set for 7. Meanwhile, the defending World Series champion Houston Astros will begin their title defense tonight as they open up the season against the Chicago White Sox. Pre-game begins at 5.30, and first pitch is set for 6.08, and you can hear all the action from Houston on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is 521 here on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. James, I don't know if we've talked about it quite enough, but there is a top 10 baseball matchup taking place in Baton Rouge in about an hour and a half. You don't say. Um, LSU is going to do battle with Tennessee. And look, you know, you look at the Tigers offense and obviously, you know, it has been phenomenal. You look at Tennessee's offense and it has been solid. But one spot where both of these teams have been consistently good is their starting pitching. Yeah. Highly anticipated matchup between Paul Skeens and Chase Dolander. I mean, two of the best. So they're they're what two two of the top five prospects in the upcoming MLB draft to to go to to go to show you just how highly touted these these guys are. If you look at the draft prospect rankings, Dylan Cruz is number one. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. Chase Dolander is number two. And Paul Skeens is number four. So of the top five guys in this upcoming draft, according to MLB.com, three of the five are going to be on the field in Baton Rouge tonight. And two of them are going to be facing off against one another on the mound. And, you know, you look at Paul Skeens, and obviously you've you've seen what Skeens has been able to do so far on the season. I mean, you look you just look at his numbers and it is, you know, five games, he's 5 and 0. He's got a .59 ERA. 
He has pitched 30 innings. He's only given up 12 hits, only given up two runs, and he has struck out 59. I mean, that is just absolutely filthy numbers. I mean, a .59 ERA five games in. And then you flip it over and you look at a guy like Chase Dolander who... Again, you know, for the Vols, they're 20 and 6 on the season. They're 0 and 4 away from home to start the year, but they're 19 and 1 in the friendly confines of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Chase Dolander comes into this game with a 3.93 ERA, 4 and 2 in 6 appearances. He's given up 15 runs, all of them earned though, and he has struck out 53. Now, one thing that I, I question is, if you look at Dolander's season so far this year, he has been a little wishy-washy at, at points. You know, he opened the season against Arizona. In his first game, he only went four and two-thirds, gave up two runs, he struck out seven. And then he went through three games where he went five or six innings, struck out 12, 11, and 11, respectfully, and then he opens SEC play against Missouri and gets tattooed. He goes five and two-thirds. He gives up nine hits, six runs, and he only struck out four. So he's had good games, and then he's had some not-so-good games. With LSU's offensive firepower that they have shown already this year with Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, Braden Jobert, Jordan Thompson, Cade Beloso when he's in, Gavin Duga when he's in. I mean, firepower up and down the board. James, is is tonight a night where Chase Dolander just gets absolutely tattooed? I and and I was waiting for you to finish up because I was going to ask. I mean, at this point, you've got a pitcher's duel, but you still have the firepower of LSU, which we've seen them put up fourteen runs like we saw last week against Arkansas. On Saturday, 12 and 14, respectfully. But then on Friday afternoon, they had put up one. Or they they ended up putting up three, but after nine innings, they had only put up one run. So I'm curious with this pitcher duel, if if I set the line at five and a half runs total, are you still taking the over? Five and a half runs? Yeah. yeah I'm taking the over. You would take the over? I'm taking the over. Like, like do you, you can see this as like a 4-2 ball game? Or like a like a five two five three, honestly. Or, or I, do you see like maybe some more Tommy Tanks action, and you could get like a two three run homer? I could see a six four game. See a six four game. I, I could see a six four game. Neither team's gonna go crazy, mm-hmm. um, and, and neither pitcher is gonna get just absolutely blistered. But I mean, don't be surprised if Chase Dolander gives up eight nine hits mm-hmm. to to the Tigers' offense. I don't think in, I don't think you're gonna see any like. You know, three run bombs or, or, or grand slams like LSU's been hitting the last couple of games. But, and then Skeens would give up maybe one run, maybe two. And then the relief pitchers the, come in, they the, give up the, the last two pitching, or three. Yeah. Skeens is going to keep the game in check. Mm-hmm. And I think Dolander's going to do a good job of it as well. Because if you look at Dolander's outings, I mean, his longest outing of the season has been six and two thirds. So, they're, they're, they're not letting him pitch a whole lot. I mean, as long as that, he, he went into the seventh and then they, they yanked him. Yeah, you, you don't want him to go too far into it. So there's going to be time for relief pitching to kind of 
let the game slip away, if you will. And I think it's going to happen for both teams. Um, but I, I could see a 6-4 game really either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight's going to be a really fun contest. Uh, th- again, this will probably be the best pitching matchup you'll see all season long between Skeens and Dolander. And then you look at the offense for both of these teams, Christian Moore, Blake Burke, um, Jared Dickey for the Vols, and then, of course, Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, Trey Morgan up and down the board for the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Now, one one thing that I found kind of funny, and, and we mentioned it yesterday, there was some talk that, or maybe a, a, a request, that LSU moved the baseball game to where it didn't interfere with the women's basketball game at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Now, I could see why in, in a normal or in an abnormal circumstance you would want that to be the case, and LSU would probably love to make that happen. But when you're talking TV, you can't just go, hey, can we can we move the, the, the game? Because this game's it's not just on ESPN Plus or anything. It's on the SEC Network. You're not gonna just, oh yeah, you know we'll we'll, we'll move it. No, sorry. Watch if you're if you're at Alex Box, watch Kim Mulkey and Company on your phone, and the other way around. Or if you're at home, you know one on the TV, one on the computer. It, it's you know it, it's not the most ideal situation to have both of them playing at the same time, but you you, you can't you, you can't go and ask to to change TV times uh, in uh, in college athletics. That's just not the way it works. Why are there so many eleven o'clock games? Because TV pays the bills. That's why. If if the channel that you're being broadcasted on calls you and says we want to put you at eleven, you say okay. Absolutely. We'll wake up at 6 a.m. It's fine. So, going to be a fun weekend for Baton Rouge as LSU hosts Tennessee at the box and then LSU women's basketball participating in the Final Four over in Dallas. They'll play Virginia Tech tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And speaking of the women's Final Four, RP3 and company is headed over to Big D for the Women's Final Four. RP3 broadcasting live from downtown Dallas tomorrow morning. And we'll get you set as Kim Mulkey's team will look to move on to the national championship game for the first time. RP3's road trip to Dallas is being brought to you by Bailey's Cigar Room. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, get to know the App State Mountaineers before they come to Lafayette to play a three-game set with the Raging Cajuns right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back starting today, and there's no better place to get on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm going to take the Astros to win the AOS, Christian Javier to have at least 199.5 total strikeouts, and then Aaron Judge to be the home run leader by the end of the season. So don't miss your shot 
at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refund issued is not drawable bonus bets that are expired in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 536. Welcome back to Crunch Time. The reason that you might be hearing back-to-back Luke Combs songs is because, well, we're about to talk about the school that he graduated from. And that is App State University as they plan to, as they head to Acadiana to take on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in a three-game set this weekend. Six o'clock on Friday, four o'clock on Saturday, and then a one o'clock first pitch on Sunday. Alex Johnson is the host of the Black and Gold podcast, and he joins us here on the game hotline to talk about the Mountaineers. Alex, really appreciate your time, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great to be uh, talking with you guys and Matt Niguez, my favorite Cajun. I had a Bojangles Cajun filet biscuit this morning just in honor of this radio appearance, guys, so I'm excited. This this guy ate some Bojangles in honor of coming on the radio. That's awesome. (laughs) You see, and, and, you know, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, Alex. I've never had Bojangles. Is, is Is it up to the hype? Man, so, yeah, you know, my friends and I, we have this debate all the time. Um, you know, it, it really depends on, I think, the, the location. So the one by my house in the northwest part of town where I live, um, you're going to get a consistently great Cajun filet biscuit. Now you go further downtown, and to the other one, it's, it's they're dry biscuits. It takes forever to chew them. I think if you get a really good biscuit, good Cajun filet biscuit, man, you can't go wrong, man. I, I really love it, but... Um, I don't know. It's probably not spicy enough for for you Cajun people. I, I don't know. I like it if that counts for anything. Yeah, you know uh, that's what I was getting ready to say. When when we hear something Cajun that isn't in South Louisiana, we're kind of we're kind of hesitant. Like, uh, yeah, is is it really Cajun? <laughs> but you know, <laughs> looking at the Mountaineers, thirteen and ten so far on the season, four and two in Sun Belt play. You know, probably their biggest series thus far was that three-game set with Campbell, who's now sitting in the top 15 in the country. Uh, just kind of recap the season so far. Getting two out of three against Georgia State at home was big. Like, like I said, just kind of talk about the high points of, of the season for the Mountaineers so far. Oh, man. So, um, the, really, the high point beginning of the year when we went on a seven-game winning streak to start the year, um, you know, uh, App State, tends to only play on the road um, to begin the year. But this year we opened up down the road in Hickory, North Carolina, where um, it's a little bit warmer. Um, we App State's opening a, uh, a satellite campus down there, so there's a minor league baseball team down there. So we actually opened at home, which was really cool. Um, so got some wins there. And, you know, look, I, I, obviously I love my baseball team, love App State, um, but, you know, we weren't playing maybe the best opponents to open the season. That's how a lot of, 
lot of these games go. Um, but I, I'm a big believer in, in building confidence, and I think that you know, getting wins, um, you know, swinging the bat, App State in in really the last ten years, guys. I mean, it's just the plain and simple of it. Um, if there were highlights in baseball, it came out of our, our bullpen, um, especially with our, our starting pitchers, and that's what we've kind of been used to. The difference in these opening, you know, um, first few games here that, and that winning streak was we were just hitting the heck out of the ball, and really that that's kind of been a continued trend trend into Sunbelt play. Um, the bats have been more active, and we've had more production out of our lineup than uh, we have in the last. I would say for sure eight eight seasons. Um, so that that's been a shift. Uh, we're still pretty optimistic. Um, the, the pitching staff still worries me, and it, and I'm probably saying that lightly. But um, our lineup is, is being productive, and we haven't seen that we're trending well. So that's my hope going in here that we um, going down to Cajun land that we can score some runs. And I'm I'm going to ask you a question here, and and I'm, this is rhetorical because I I know that he's not going anywhere at least until the end of this season. But how how is Luke Drumheller not graduated yet? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> That's a really great question. You know, I think uh, he asks his wife and kids that all the time too. Like, should I hang it up at App State or or not? Um, I don't know how he hasn't graduated, uh, but we're we're glad he's here. He's he's been such a great. Um, offensive asset for us, uh, really, since the time he stepped on campus. And uh, what I would, just to kind of add on to that here, um, for the last really couple of years, we've really re- oof, it, we've relied on him, a second baseman, middle infielder, to um, bring some of our pop. And I think that's too much to ask for a middle infielder. I think that you need production out of your your corners and um, and one of your outfield guys. And, and we have that in Golson Gillespie, who's a transfer from Tennessee Tech. Um, who's having a really great year so far. But, uh, yeah, we, we love Luke Drumheller, man. He's going to hit over 300. He's going to play good defense and come up with some clutch hits. Yeah, you know, I, I, preparing for this interview, I, I saw his name and I said, God, that kid has killed the Cajuns year in and year out. I thought I thought he graduated already. Yeah, no, not quite. No, uh, probably probably uh, this, um, this upcoming spring here. But, uh, nope, still got him. You brought up Golston Gillespie. Uh, the transfer from Tennessee Tech, batting three fifteen so far on the year, nine homers and twenty nine RBIs. Another guy that that jumped out last year when when the Cajuns went up to Boone is Austin Saint Laurent. He's hitting two sixty four so far on the year, two homers, thirteen RBIs, twenty four base hits though so far on, on the campaign. Just kind of talk about those two guys and what they bring to the Mountaineers lineup. Yeah, you know we have we have several transfers in here that. Um, and it would be it's, it's the segment's not long enough, but just to talk about the the struggle it is for App State, a cold weather school, to recruit um, you know guys that um, are going to bring the lumber here. And so Austin St. Laurent is he's at uh, East Carolina. He's a transfer, and last year he had a very productive year. But again, you know uh, the more the merrier when it comes to offensive production. So um, him being in the lineup again, more comfortable. He actually had a more productive year last year up to this point. But um, the fact that we have a guy like Golston to bring his name up again um, to take a little pressure off of him and other guys. Um, I think really adds a different dynamic to the lineup. You know, when when you have a guy that standing at the plate can alter the score at least by one with a swing of the bat, uh, that 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 makes everybody else in the lineup feel a little more comfortable. Like just get on base, have good at bats. You know, work the pitching staff, and uh, hopefully some guys behind us can 
uh, play their game, uh, and and uh, the rest will take care of itself. But those two guys are really important. And then we got you got Austin really off not playing first base anymore. That's what Golson has been doing. And um, he, you know, you can call Saint Laurent a Swiss Army knife if you want, but he's been a tremendous uh, addition to the team these last few seasons. Chatting with Alex Johnson from the Black and Gold podcast, looking at pitching now. Uh, one one guy that really stands out looking at the at the stats is Xander Hamilton. He's started in six games. He's got a four and one record and a four point eight one ERA. He has struck out forty four in his six appearances. Who else is makes up the weekend rotation for for the Mountaineers? Who can the Cajuns expect to face this weekend? Yeah, you know that that's actually been a struggle, guys. You know, and these are kind of the these are kind of the topics and conversations that you, you kind of hate to have as a fan, um, but we've really struggled uh, as um, competition kind of heats up a little bit. We, we've, we've had to move some uh, some pieces around. We had uh, Ryan Sleeper early in the year as our Sunday starter, and, and he's just he struggled. So um, that's something that, you know, I don't even know at this point uh, if things are going to remain the same or, or if things will keep changing. I think, I think that one constant is uh, Xander Hamilton. Um, and if maybe Trey, Trey Tuich picks up uh, the Saturday start, and and who knows for for Sunday. But uh, it's been it's been a, a struggle this year, guys. And, and that's something that we as AP fans like we 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 haven't had a, a really successful year in baseball since 2013 in terms of like a winning season, competitive season. But um, we always have you know some arms to talk about, especially in that starting rotation. And and you're right about Xander when, when he's on, he's really good. Um, he's a transfer from Virginia Tech big tall guy and, and he's thrown 32 and um, two thirds innings and struck out 44. So that, that tells you the kind of stuff that he has. But, um, and then we also, uh, you'll recognize that this other name that's been around for forever. Uh, um, Tyler Tuttle, he, um, he is out this year with an injury should be back next year, but he was our ace for years. Um, but he had an injury last year, just couldn't, couldn't overcome it, had surgery and uh, looking forward to having him back. But that, that's just, a, that's the area of weakness Honestly, for us guys, our lineups playing better than, than we have historically, especially in recent memory. But our pitching staff is, is something that we're really still trying to figure out, like how that how that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, how those spots are going to go past Xander Hamilton on Friday. Going to have tons of runs being scored here in, in Lafayette this weekend between these two offenses. Alex, before you go, I, I just I have to ask because App State is such a football school. Um, <laughs> You know how's how spring practice looking? What what's the mindset for the Mountaineers heading into this twenty twenty three season? Uh, you guys are lucky we're not playing you this year. We tear you up. No, I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding. It, it looks it looks really good. And um, you know, we uh, Charles and I, my co-host, the Black Gold Podcast, we got to attend a couple practices. And, and there's a quarterback battle right now uh, between uh, Ryan Berger, a um, I think he'll be a redshirt freshman this year, and then a JUCO transfer, Joey Aguilar, who our quarterback's coach right now, an offensive coordinator, who just returned after being away from a year, had recruited out in California. Those guys look good. They're big athletic, and unlike Chase Bryce, who we've had the last two years and been blessed to have Chase, um, these guys are a little more athletic, a little, more, a little quicker, a um, little more used to having a quarterback at App State that can sling the ball but also run a little bit. Uh, but we're looking good, man. we got bigger, longer, stronger on, on defense. That, I mean, we just were not strong or fast enough on defense this year, but – the coaches had a great recruiting staff. We had um, recruiting effort, recruiting class, and we got eight transfers, most of them defense. So uh, we're excited, man. Yeah, we're um, we're gonna enjoy. We're gonna drink up uh, the rest of baseball and softball season for sure. But 
you're right, App State. We, we always have our finger on the pulse of what's going on with football. Alex Johnson of the Black and Gold Podcast joining us here on Crunch Time. Alex, appreciate your time as always. Uh, and enjoy the baseball and softball this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. And there he goes, Alex Johnson, the host of the Black and Gold Podcast, which is the, the, the best App State podcast around. We'll take a timeout, and we'll wrap up today's show. The Chicago White Sox currently getting introduced at Minute Maid Park, and next it'll be time to launch some fireworks and say hello to your defending World Series champs right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, well, then you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you could be there if you register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 553 here on your Thursday as we get ready to wrap up today's show. The Houston Astros currently being introduced to the Minute Maid faithful over on over in Minute Maid Park as they get set to take on the Chicago White Sox to open the MLB season. You know, you, you see pictures of the gold jerseys and you think, oh man, they look good on pictures. I wish I was there. But man, watching Watching the oh oh watching the broadcast is just oh man they they look so good it's it's good to be champs again it's good to be champs again James Mesh do the Astros begin twenty twenty three with a one and zero record yes yes oh. they do oh what's the score how do they get it done I think Fromber Fromber has a good outing I think Astros end up winning it six to three. Six to three. The offense comes alive from the jump. It is Alex Bregman's birthday. And what better birthday present than to than an opening day birthday home run? Wear gold jerseys mm-hmm. on opening day on your birthday and hit a bomb. I'm just saying. So if 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 Bregman's listening uh, as he gets ready to take the field. <laughs> As I mean, he shouldn't be listening right now. Right, but. right. Probably shouldn't be listening, but if he is, um, Alex, Alex, make sure the bat's working tonight, bud, because uh, there there wouldn't there wouldn't be anything anything better than that. Framber Valdez is going to go for the Astros, while Dylan Cease will be the starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease had a pretty good year last year, uh, looking to replicate that. Once again, as a reminder, tomorrow's show will be live from MLT Moorefield as Louisiana Raging Cajuns host App State for a three-game set. We'll be live from 4 to 5.30 before we give way to LSU women's basketball in the Final Four. We'll have the 
Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics for the Raging Cajuns, Dr. Brian Maggard, joining us at 4.15. At 4.30, Ben Upton will join us to talk college baseball, especially the Raging Cajuns. And then at 5 o'clock, we'll do Jake's Takes with our guy, Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Ryan Shumpert from Rocky Top Insider, joining us to preview the Vols and LSU getting underway here in about an hour. Jay Walker joining us, giving the Cajuns side of the weekend series against App State. And then, of course, we just got off with Alex Johnson, the host of the Black and Gold podcast, previewing the App State Mountaineers. Again, you know, as we as we wrap up, looking at some more headlines quickly, one thing that, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, James, is the Bengals and Joe Burrow have reportedly agreed on a pact as both sides will continue to work on a multi-year deal. Um, they, they're basically saying contract talks are going to pause for now and uh, keep everything pretty close to the vest from here on out. Not not really surprising there. No, because Joe feels like he's going to be a Bengal for life. Yeah, as he should be. Cincinnati feels like a good place for him. as close to where he grew up and, and all that good stuff. So Burrow and the Bengals just seems to make sense. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. And we're back tomorrow for a 90-minute edition of Crunch Time right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. The Astros are over on News Talk 98.5. Chris Blair and the LSU Tigers coming up here in about half an hour right here on The Game.